So as we're, I'm pulling this up, we're in a, we're doing a study, and we've been in a study on how to grow closer to God, and we're talking about, uh, well, I've been calling the different personal spiritual disciplines that you can do, that there's personal spiritual disciplines and there's corporate spiritual disciplines, and uh, the personal spiritual disciplines are things you do really on your own, outside, or at least in a small group, but not in the context of a large church. Uh, you can do them in a large church. We're talking about stuff you normally would do on your own time. And last week we talked about the first group of them. I kind of grouped these in my head into three broad categories. And there are, they are Bible intake categories, uh, prayer, and action. So last week we were talking about the Bible intake ones, and that, that included like what? Y'all are here. What, which ones were we talking about last week? How to study the Bible. How to study the Bible. That was one. Memorizing Scripture. Yep. Memorizing Scripture. There's four. You might remember the rest of them. The other two were uh, meditating on Scripture, which is basically when you take a passage and you think about it over and over and over again in your head, think about the way it applies to your life and that kind of stuff. And then the final one was uh, memorizing, reading, just general reading Scripture. So when we think about these things of Scripture, you can kind of think of them as like a basic to advance. Like when you think about reading the Bible, you think about reading it as being the most basic. And then if you want to take it up a little notch, you might meditate on it. If you want to take it up a little notch again, you might want to uh, memorize it and take it up again. You might want to study it. So as I, we were talking with Jim last week, it's not about one being required. And if you don't do it, you're messed up. It's the idea of doing as many as you can, and if you want to take your growth to the next level, being willing to do more than just read the Bible, to do more than uh, maybe even just reading and studying the Bible, but actually take it up a notch by memorizing something or meditating on it. Prayer is the same way. That's the category we're going to do today. Hopefully, we'll get through all of it today. If not, that's okay. We'll just slide it into next week. Um, But prayer is the same way. You've got this general concept of praying as a spiritual discipline but even within prayer there's certain things we can do that intensifies the prayer that are more difficult than what we would call general prayer and it's kind of the sort of things that if you want to again kick your relationship up a notch you can add those to your tools that you do and that's how you can grow closer to God so first though let's talk about prayer in general and then we'll get to these two other things um that are related to prayer, that in a way to kick it up a notch, go into advanced mode with these spiritual disciplines. First, I want to start out with a question. That is, um, any of y'all watch boxing movies? Boxing movies about boxers. But y'all have any any of that you like? Any of your favorites? Have you seen any? The huh? I never heard of that boxing movie. <laughs> I was thinking like Rocky. <laughs> Boxing Day is the 
Yeah. Which one? Rocky? Rocky. There's one that was out on the set or not. It must have been a few years back. I can't remember the name of it. Yeah, there's Creed, which is related to Rocky. Um, Cinderella Man, which is a really good one with Russell Crowe. Uh, I know there's one J.D. Young Hall that I haven't seen. Maybe one of Christian Bale. But anyways, but y'all know in these movies that have boxing rings, during the fights, some of the most important parts are not the fight, but it's actually when they ring the bell and they go to sit in their corner. So what, why, what happens when they sit in the corner? When they sit in their corner, they're getting rest, they're getting their wounds tended to, and in a movie, you get dialogue. They're talking to the coach. The to- coach is talking to them. When we talk about prayer, um, that's what we begin to talk about when we think of prayer as being those moments where you get to sit in the corner and have your wounds tended to, take a break, and get some coaching from your coach. So to start off with, I want to ask the question, how would you define prayer? Personal time with God, just in general. Alternate definition. Conversation. Conversation with God. Yeah. I'm with y'all. I I wrote a definition down, and I said it's a time of speaking to God and allowing God to speak to our hearts too. Uh, two ways: speaking to God and allowing God to speak to our hearts too. Whitney, who I've referenced several times, and I remembered this time to bring his book. <laughs> I told y'all that I wanted to show it to you if you wanted to take a look at it, uh, since he's like a guru of this stuff. He said that prayer is the second most important discipline behind reading the Bible. You all agree with that? See some head nodding, yes? Yeah, we kind of talked about a little bit about that last week, that Bible reading is probably the most important, but prayer is definitely real close to being up there. Uh, maybe number two, but it's, it's, a, it's a close race for sure. So why do y'all think, and obviously you're here, um, we got the people that tend to be on Wednesday nights, tend to be the ones that uh, are more um, of mature knowledge of the Bible. So why do y'all think prayer is so important? Okay, explain. Stay, stay in touch with God. Prayer is how you We're, stay in touch with God. Yeah. Now, just like with a job, if you don't communicate with your coworkers, people, boss, it's communication. It keeps you yeah. together. Yeah. When the internet goes down, you know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think the most important thing is just like. That was what I was getting with my definition is because when I was thinking about what prayer was, I realized that if you don't think about God could be speaking to you when you pray, it's one, you know, prayer needs to be more of a two-way action instead of a one-way action. And I think people who don't pray well tend to pray one direction, them to God and don't listen to God. And, of course, 
he's not going to audibly say anything to you, but it's that stirring in your heart that you know it's him pushing you to think something or do something. I liked your comment about the communication because I was, as I was thinking this week, I was thinking about, like in football, during the middle of the game, really one of the most important parts is the coach telling the players, plays. You know, communication, if the players don't communicate with the coach during the game, um, that's going to end up being a problem because they won't know what plays to run. And that's kind of what prayer is. It's our time of communication with our coach on how to, what plays we should be doing during the day. Anything else? Let me ask you all this. Um, so we know God knows everything. So if God knows everything, why do we pray? Say that again. It's more about a relationship. Yeah. Doing a house. Jesus wouldn't have taught us the Lord's Prayer or taught, you know, yeah. the Bible about the Lord's Prayer if we were not being instructed. But. Mm, that's true. All right. So I agree with all of those. The ones I jotted down. Um, like uh, most of them are like y'all were saying, but prayer is not a way that we tell God something because he already knows what we need. It's a way of showing God that we know we need help. That's an act of humility to admit that we know we need help. It's a way, like y'all were saying, it's a relationship. It's a way of actually having a communing time with God. Um, it's the way God changes our hearts. Sometimes, a lot of times, prayer is not about us changing what God wants. It's about God allowing that time to change what we want. In other words, instead of making God do our will, it's God's chance to make us do his will. And he uses prayer to do that. Um, we pray to show that we care. We pray about people we care for. We cry out to God about things that we pray for. And when we don't pray, it shows that we really don't care. Um, it, prayer can be a way of taking a break, like I said with the boxer thing. And then as... Uh, Roxanne mentioned the Bible commands it. You got Jesus telling us how to pray. Also, uh, we'll skip these, but in Colossians 4.2 and 1 Thessalonians 4.2, there is a direct command to pray. In those two passages, he tells us a direct command to pray. So if we got all these good reasons to pray, why do you think we struggle to pray? We're lazy. We're lazy. That comes up on every single week, doesn't it? When we talk about why don't we do this, laziness. Everywhere, because I write everything down. But I keep all of my prayer requests written down. Mm-hmm. 
And there's sometimes I will sit and just write my prayer out. My granddaughter, she thinks that's just awful. She's grieved and not praying that. But I am because the Lord knows what's in my heart. Mm -hmm. And so he knows what yeah. I'm We'll actually talk about that next week. So it's interesting that you mentioned that. Well, there are times when I just don't know what to say, and I just tell Jesus, well, you know what I need, Jesus. Yeah. I don't know what to say or how to put it, or I just, that's why we have Jesus as our ancestor. Yeah. Because yeah. he knows what we need. So, a uh, study was done several years ago at a conference that had a bunch of evangelicals in it. Like, again, people like us were evangelicals. Uh, so that would be conservative Christians. And so this is a conference. So you got to think these are, again, not going to be the average churchgoer. This is probably going to be people who are a little more dedicated in the church. And they asked them how many minutes a day do they pray. And at this conference uh, of these thousands of people, they found that the average churchgoer, conservative evangelical, prays five minutes a day. And when they took out and looked at just the pastors and their wives, that number went up to seven minutes a day. So we ask this question, why don't we pray? I think the number one reason is we're lazy. We don't think about it. Um, we're busy. And, you know, I told you all the story, if you were here two weeks ago, of Martin Luther that he would say, I'm so busy today, I must pray for at least an hour. That he, he saw busyness as a reason to pray more, not a reason to pray less. And I think sometimes we, we, instead of thinking like Martin Luther, we think more like, I'm too busy to pray, I don't have time for it. And that's related to the third one, which is we interpret prayer as doing something that we have to be silent and alone to do. And we're like, well, I'm never silent and alone, so I can never pray, especially if you have kids running around. They're like, when am I can never get alone and silent to pray? That's why I can't. And we have this wrong idea. is like that's the only time you can pray is like that. And that's not true. Um, we, don't, we don't have a, a planned times in our day where we say this is the time we're going to pray. And since we don't plan for it, we don't do it. Um, we see prayer as a habit we endure instead of something we should delight in. As Roxanne said, we struggle to pray because we really haven't learned or we haven't tried to stretch ourselves. And sometimes since we struggle to do it, we, we don't do it as often as we should. Um, sometimes we only pray when we have a need. And so we, when we don't have a need, we don't pray, which is a terrible habit. To only pray when you need something from God. That's an awful habit to be in. That's what a lot of people do, isn't it? They don't pray unless they have a need they pray for. Um, that just shows, as we were saying, why we pray, that they've missed the other reasons why we pray, like communing with God, has nothing to do with the needs we have. Um, we don't live with awareness of who God is and His greatness in the gospel. And then finally, as we talked about earlier, we really just, I think a lot of times we have a low view of prayer in that we say with our mouths we believe that prayer works, but by our priorities, we show that we actually don't believe that. And the example I want to give is actually our Wednesday night prayer meeting. I mean, when you look at the number of people here and you polled our church on Sunday morning and asked them, do you believe prayer works? 
I mean, could we say 100% of the members of our church would say prayer works? Then why aren't they at the prayer meeting? It's because we don't really believe prayer works. I'll use an example of this thing. If we really believe prayer works, we'd be praying for people on this list. But how many people are praying for the people on this list? It's because we don't think praying for these people is actually going to work. So I think one reason we don't pray is not because in our heads we say it doesn't work. It's because we have shown by our priorities that we really don't think it works. And if we really thought it works, people would make more of a priority to do it. That's just my soapbox for this lesson. I can get off of it now. Um, since I've made those comments, is there anything y'all want to comment or questions y'all want to say before I move on? I think once that you get, I mean, the statement you just made about people that don't believe prayer work, I think that um, once you have had a situation in your life where you see that prayer has worked, and you, um, I think it, you know, makes you more of a believer in I think you become more burdened for people mm -hmm. or for needs. I know, of course, I have to be burdened for our children because none of our children are saved. And um, so, and he asked us too. So, you know, I think that, you know, seeing God work in your life and then yeah. through prayer. I agree. I think that's connected. You know, we talked about um, at the very beginning, why do we pray? And we said it shows that you care. You know, probably connected to it might not be that we don't believe prayer works. We just don't care about enough people other than our own family to pray for people other than our own family. And so some maybe coming to a, a large group prayer meeting like this isn't as attractive because we're not praying for my family. We're praying for other people's family, other people's friends, other people's lost people. And since it's other people, there's not as much care as you were saying for praying for other people. But as a church, we should all feel like we're family. Yeah. Yeah. So we should carry the burdens. Um, we should care that other people have lost people in their family. That's right. And not just care about the own lost people in our own family. And same with the sick people and their families and stuff. All right. So what have y'all found to help you in your prayers? Either pray more or pray better. How, what, what have y'all found to be helpful? What are some tips you would give? Distractions. I do that a lot. I used to listen to radio all the time. Pray out loud. Pray out 
That's probably what I see. I think that verse alone shows that you don't have to be silent and alone to pray all the time because otherwise you'd have to be silent and alone all day long. Christians a lot of times appreciate that. good talking on this one because prayer is one of those things that you've been taught as a kid to do um, I'm going to do a few Bible verses here uh, in this section I've skipped a few earlier so we could go a little faster but can somebody get James 4.3 who wants James 4.3 James 4.3 Vince um, and then <clears throat> Some might get Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Roxanne. And then some might get Ephesians 3, 14. Ephesians 3, 14. It's Josh, I think. Some might get 1 Kings 8, 54. 1 Kings 8, 54. I got a lot. We're going to go through them. I got 1 Kings. Okay. Um, yeah, so we got two more people out there, all right? Um, <laughs> I got stuff too. Uh, some, one of y'all two get First Samuel one twelve through sixteen. Which one of y'all want to get First Samuel one twelve through sixteen? All right, and then Justin, you get Luke twenty two forty one through forty four. Luke twenty two forty one through forty four. All right. Who has James? Vince, you have James? All right, go ahead and read that one, Vince. This is ways that you can be helped in your prayers, or your prayers can be helped. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and 
do not receive because you ask amiss, that you may spend it on your pleasures. So the first thing that can help with prayer is check your motives. James says you ask, you don't get because you don't ask, and you do ask and don't get because you ask for the wrong reasons to spend it on yourself. So the motive of prayer should be to glorify God and that God's glory be made known more than just merely getting my own good for something. So the first help in prayer is check your motives for why you're praying. Is your prayer for God's glory or for your own good? The second thing that can help is, um, and we, I didn't give out Bible verses for this because it was a lot, but I'll just go through it, is pray the things the Bible tells us to pray for, which sounds simple, but... Um, I just made a quick list of things that come to my head, and I know there's more in here than this, but Ephesians 6, 19, Hebrews 13, 18 through 19 say, pray for church leaders that they'll have boldness and they'll have wisdom in how they conduct their lives. Matthew 9, 38 says that we should pray that God has more people who sends into the field to do his work. 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 4 says we should pray for our social and political leaders. James 5, 13 through 16 says pray for the sick. Check, you got that off today. Uh, Ephesians 1, 16 through 19, and Ephesians 3, 14 through 19 says we should pray that other people grow in their relationship with God, including increasing in their knowledge and strength. Okay, Acts 1, 8 prayer list, that's what that's for. Uh, Matthew 6, 19 through 13, that's the Lord's Prayer. You pray the things that are on the Lord's Prayer. You can praise God, ask God's will be done in your life, ask for daily essentials, ask for forgiveness. Ask that God helps you forgive other people. Always like that one in there. And then ask that God helps you resist temptation. So you can pray through things the Bible tells you to pray for. That's a pretty good list in itself. That might take you a while to pray through, just in those that thought up in a few minutes. All right, who had Ephesians? I meant, sorry, Philippians 4, 4 through 7. Roxanne. Rejoice in the Lord always. All right, so the key verse, verse is, is that first one which says rejoice in the Lord always. And then I love the part in there that says make requests known with thanksgiving. That little three or two words in there is thrown in there, which goes to what Brenda was saying. We should include pr- pr- praise and thanksgiving in our prayer. It helps, right, Brenda, to include th- thanksgiving in your prayer? That's the way to improve your prayer life. Uh, that verse actually says that the peace of God comes only when we pray with thanksgiving, which is a motivation to do it in itself. Uh, Psalm 119, which, uh, of course, it's like 150-something verses, so I didn't ask anybody to read that. But uh, Psalm 119 shows us that when we read the Bible more and we allow the Scripture to prick our hearts and we meditate on it, then it helps our prayers. It's kind of like Josh was saying, too, with praying the Scriptures. The more you read the Bible and even read prayers in the Bible, like Mary's prayer, like what we're about to do in 1 Samuel, that'll help you know how to pray the book of Psalms because those are prayers in the Bible. And so just reading the Bible can help you pray. The fifth one is you can try to use a prayer posture. Now, what do y'all think I mean by prayer posture? On your knees. 
So yeah, um, a specific way to sit or stand when you pray. And on your knees is one of them, uh, Ephesians 3.14, whoever had that. That was you? Ephesians 3.14. Just Ephesians 3.14. That's all 314 says? Okay. I thought it was a little longer than that, but it got to the point what I wanted to know. He bows his knees before the Father. That's Paul speaking, 314. Um, Old Testament, Daniel 610, Acts 940. Uh, there is a re- repeated instances of people in the Bible kneeling when they pray. Uh, the other one, not just kneeling, but 1 Kings 854. Oh, that's me. Yeah. When Solomon finished praying, his entire prayer petition to the Lord. He got up from kneeling before the altar of the Lord with his hands spread out toward heaven. There you go. So Solomon was kneeling, and then what else was he doing when he prayed? His hands lifted up. <clears throat> I'm, so there, I'm not saying that you have to be kneeling and you have to have your hands raised, which, by the way, is why people do that during worship. It's because there's passages in the Bible saying you to raise your hands to God. And so that's why people do it in church. Uh, why people started doing that in churches recently. Um, so it's not like you have to be kneeling and you have to be raising your hands to pray. But there clearly seems to be places, a lot of places in the Bible, where that happens. So why do y'all think having kneeling or raising your hands, why do y'all think that might help with prayer time. Somehow, a little bit more. There's a certain posture for being reverent, I guess. I don't think he or might can improve on that. Yeah. Thankfully, that's not required to pray. Um, like I said. Yeah. They do. There's places I took that one out, but yeah, which is like flat on the ground on your face. And I have done that before too. And I was really desperate. So that there's three really, and standing, which is four. I didn't put that one in there. Lifting your hands too is a sign of receiving. Receiving. Mm-hmm. You know, when I think of these, and it goes along to what y'all are saying, especially with Brenda. You know, you kneel. When you you ask yourself, when do you kneel? You kneel before kings. You kneel before people who are, you know are in authority and not just a little bit of authority, I mean kings. And so it's an act of, like you said, reverence, an act of, act of humility when you almost like you know God's there and so you're kneeling like you would if you were actually in his presence. Um, raising hands, like you said, is an act of growing to receive, an act of giving it away. Uh, prostrate, prostrate when you're on the ground is even more humiliating than kneeling. Uh, they did that when they were before kings, when they were really 
wanting to be a big show that they want to be respectful. And so, um, Huh? Please don't kill me. Yeah, kind of position. Like, I really need you to be nice to me right now, please. They didn't do that every day, for sure. So again, you know, that, that's something that could help. Y'all notice every Wednesday I kneel in the front. That's not by accident, you know. I do it because the Bible has people that do it. And, you know, I would encourage anybody if they want. And that's why during the Sunday morning when we have the invitation, we ask if people want to come kneel up here and pray. Um, it can help. It does help. Um, have you all ever seen that movie, The War Room? Mm-hmm. When I saw that, I mean, that was kind of like, if I really need to be serious, yeah, I could shut myself up someplace. Mm-hmm. All right, the next one is um, if you want to help your prayers, watch your passion when you pray. And that's where 1 Samuel 1, 12 through 16, and Luke 22, 41 through 44 shows us. So, who had 1 Samuel? 1, 12 through 16. It's a lot closer. Now you don't have to read 16 verses. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. You should be happy. That's only four verses instead of 16. You did this last time. 1 Samuel chapter 1, verses 12 through 16. Verses 12 through 16. Yeah. And it happened that she continued praying for the Lord that Eli watched from out. Now Anna spoke in her heart under her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore Eli thought she was drunk. So Eli said to her, How long have you been drunk? Put your mind away from you. But Hannah answered and said, No, my Lord, I am a woman of sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor intoxicating drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Do not consider your maidservant a wicked woman, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief I have spoken until now. All right, and then Luke twenty-two forty-one through forty-four. He withdrew by the stones for beyond them, knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, and yours be done. The angels who have appeared to him strengthened him, and being in anguish, he prayed more earnestly. His sweat was like drops of blood falling. Yeah. So the next tip would be watch your passion when you pray. Because there clearly seems to be in the Bible a connection between how passionate your prayer is and the likelihood God is to answer it. And perhaps the reason why some people's prayers aren't answered as much is because they're not passionate when they do it. Um, I mean, I can think of times when I've been like Hannah, when we, you know, Somebody probably could have thought I was drunk because I was praying like that, but that don't happen every day. It probably shouldn't happen every day, really. I mean, you would maybe need to go on medication if you're, like, weeping every day, but maybe that's, some people do that. Uh, you definitely need to get some help if you're bleeding out of your skin because you're so passionate about what you're praying for. Um, that's a condition that only happens when people are really, really stressed out and the blood vessels pop in their skin, and that's Jesus. That was the way Jesus was praying before his crucifixion. So when we talk about prayer, you know, and we want to spice up the prayer life, maybe one thing we need to do is not just check our posture, but check our passion. And ask ourselves, how passionate are we when we pray and cry out to God? 
The last two, um, James 1, 5 through 6, says that we need to believe that God answers prayer. When you ask, believe, don't doubt, because man doubts like a man seen, blown and tossed by the wind, he should think he received nothing from the Lord. So pray, believing that it'll work. And then Ephesians 3, 20 through 21, one of the best verses on prayer. Uh, now to him who is able to do far abundantly beyond all that we ask or imagine, according to the power that's working in us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus for all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In other words, pray. Don't limit God by your prayers. It says, now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. If God can do beyond anything you ask, don't ask small stuff. He can even do beyond anything you think. And I think sometimes our prayers are not powerful because we don't pray big enough. Maybe connect to a thing like, well, I don't think it really happened, so I'm not going to really pray for it because I don't think it'll happen. I don't want to be disappointed. But that is a verse to put on your prayer life. He can do far beyond to the above all that you ask. So ask big things because he said he can do it. Um, be bold with your prayers. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Jesus got to know, and he was bleeding from his skin, and God told him no. His prayer was that he wouldn't have to go to the cross. Um, you know, that's when we realize that prayer, like we were saying, it's not just about asking God to conform to our will. It's about changing our hearts to be what God wants. And um, that might be accepting something that we need to accept. You know, that might be what it is. We have to trust in prayer, and when we say we don't doubt, we believe it can happen, but we also don't need to be mad if God says it's no. That's hard. Mm-hmm. Paul, he prayed too, got told no. said he had a thorn in my side. I prayed for it multiple times. God would take it away, and God said no. Made perfect in weakness. What he told him. Yep. Maybe that needs to be an additional one I add to this. Pray accepting whatever answer God gives you, even if it's no. Being willing to accept whatever answer he gives you, even if it's no. David prayed for his son to live. His son didn't live. Bathsheba's first child with David. Y'all know that story. Cried, put on sackcloths. The baby died anyways. Got up, put on clothes, went to go eat. All right. Well, we're not going to do these other two, the, the more, I would call, advanced acts of praying. We'll do those next week. Um, this was a good discussion, though. Is there any more comments or, or questions we want to do before we close in prayer? Appropriate.
We have to remember, like you said, God is omniscient, which means he knows more than we do. And we need to think of ourselves more like we parents do with toddlers. You know, sometimes toddlers ask for things they don't realize they shouldn't have. And that's the mental difference between God's omniscience and ours. We ask for things thinking that's what we need, and God in his superior wisdom knows that there's a better answer. And like toddlers and we don't get our way we get unhappy not realizing that God in his wisdom is knowing he knows what he's doing I hope this lesson has helped you all have a more passion for prayer and gave you some ideas on how you can um, change up maybe your own prayer life and, and I would call it spice it up, take it to the next level, whatever you want to use it, use it for. Maybe this gave you some ideas on what you all can do at your house and grow in the Lord as this series is called, Learn How to Grow in the Lord. I'll pray and we're close. Dear God, thank you for these passages that you've given us. And, uh, Lord, we're thankful ultimately that you died on the cross for our sins to give us the ability to do that. Lord, we know the book of Hebrews says that because of your death on the cross, we can pray to you. And that is such an awesome privilege that we have. And Lord, um, I pray that we would be a, a praying people, that we'd be a praying church. Lord, that you hear our cries and also that you help us to accept what your will is, whatever that is. And God, I, I pray that you would listen to the prayers that are lifted up that were lifted up today and are lifted at the homes that we may see your glory shine in our own lives in our church and in our community and it's in jesus name i pray amen